0: Healthy Girl Kitchen. I am obsessed with Healthy Girl Kitchen. She's a vegan food blogger and and health coach. coach. I want to be her best friend. Invigorating conversations with leading experts. Danielle spends her days helping others improve their health.
1: This is the Healthy Girl Podcast with your host, Danielle Keith.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. I hope everyone's having a great day today. I know for me, I started my day off with my favorite thing ever. I went on a nice three mile walk and I made a new recipe today. So overall, it's been a productive day. But before we get into the episode, I wanna give you the health tip of the day and the cooking tip of the day. The health tip of the day is all about gut health. You know how much I am obsessed with nutrition, wellness, and obviously gut health is super important. So I wanted to remind you all to eat fermented foods. The more fermented foods that are included in your diet, the better. Fermented foods are amazing for your gut microbiome because they help to create a balance of healthy bacteria in your gut and they also improve digestion. If you don't know what fermented foods include, it means things like kombucha, yogurt. I suggest a non-dairy yogurt like coconut milk yogurt or cashew yogurt. I personally love the So Delicious brand. Other fermented foods include tempeh, sauerkraut, miso, kimchi, and sourdough. You can make a yogurt parfait with some berries and granola, make a buddha bowl or a salad and add some sauerkraut on top. It really doesn't have to be complicated, but adding some fermented goodness into your diet is really going to benefit your gut. And just a tip, if you have a Trader Joe's near you, I'm obsessed with their raw sauerkraut. It's so yummy and way, way, way cheaper than Whole Foods. I think it's like $3 for the best sauerkraut. And for my cooking tip of the day, a lot of you ask me how to make cheese sauces, so I wanted to tell you about a super easy cheese sauce that you can make in your high speed blender. And what I mean by high speed blender is a Vitamix or a Blendtec would work best, just because if you don't have a powerful enough blender, you're going to get a chunky cheese sauce. But you can try it in your regular blender. Let me know how it goes. I just recommend a high-speed blender. But anyway, to make a cheese sauce, you're going to blend boiled cashews. You can either boil cashews or soak them. I prefer to boil them because it takes five minutes. And then you add it into your blender with sweet potato, water, nutritional yeast, salt, pepper, and any other spices you want. And it makes the best creamy cheese sauce particularly the sweet potato blended with the cashews. That's what makes the bulk of the cheese sauce. If you want a more detailed recipe, you can look on my website. I have a ton of cheese sauce recipes. So look at any of my mac and cheese recipes or my Alfredo recipes at healthygirlkitchen.com. And on a side note, if you haven't tried my baked cauliflower mac and cheese, I really recommend it. It's so yummy. I absolutely love when you guys tell me that you're listening to the Healthy Girl podcast and I get so many DMs that you're all loving it. And I also love when you guys post a screenshot of the podcast episode and upload it to your Instagram stories. So if you could do that, that would be great because I love seeing who's listening. You are all going to love our guest today. She is so sweet and I have been wanting to talk to her for so long. So I was really excited that I got the chance to talk with her because I know you guys are going to love everything that she has to say. Bethany Holmes is our guest today, and she is a certified holistic health coach like myself. She's a content writer, Reiki practitioner, and wellness blogger. Bethany received her coaching certification from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition based out of New York City, and prior to becoming a health coach, Bethany earned her degree in communications from Michigan State University and worked in human resources for six years before entering the health and wellness world. In 2015, Bethany underwent emergency brain surgery to save her life from a hemorrhage. From that experience, Bethany started on a healing journey and was inspired to put her focus into health and wellness and help others live their best lives. Bethany, Bethany now works with clients one-on-one in groups to support healing and empowering individuals to reclaim their life. Hi, Bethany. How are you? Welcome to the Healthy Girl Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm good. I I went on a walk this morning. I posted a new recipe. So I'm feeling pretty productive, as productive as you can be right now.
1: I know. That sounds nice. I know walks have been like saving me, <laughs> getting outside every day and getting fresh air. It's like definitely been one of the highlights of the day.
0: Oh, totally. And I'm sure for you being in New York, it's not as crowded outside right now. So I'm sure walking is like the best.
1: Yeah, it's actually really nice. And I have a dog. So even better, because typically, I'm like trying to dodge people and he's running all over the place. And it's kind of nice to have more open space to just roam around more freely.
0: Yeah, for sure. What kind of dog do you have?
1: I have a golden doodle. Oh,
0: I'm jealous.
1: Yeah, he's really sweet. I mean, he has a lot of energy and they closed the dog park. So it's been like, I've been walking him for two hours a day to like, <laughs> get his energy out. But um, yeah, he's sweet. He's, he's a lover. He loves people. He loves dogs. Oh,
0: so cute. Yeah. So what else have you been up to? How's your everyday life been?
1: It's been good. I think, you know, it's been going in waves of different emotions. And some weeks I feel like everything's good and I'm really enjoying the slower time and focusing on work and connecting with my husband more and being able to like spend more time together. And then there'll be weeks where I just feel overwhelmed and I'm kind of like upset about what's going on and I'm ready for things to go back to normal. But just being able to feel all those emotions and to just kind of look every day at like, you know, what we can take positive from it and I try to have a list of things that I like focus on. Like, you know, I do work every day, but the highlights are going for an hour walk or making a new recipe or giving myself a manicure, like just trying to have little things here and there to, you know, get me excited about the day um, because otherwise it does seem a little, you know, groundhog day people like to say right now. And I'm trying to not kind of get into that mindset um, and just see how like it can work for me, even though the circumstances are not the best right now.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, and I think in every situation, at least for me, and and during this, the only thing you can do is stay positive, and the only thing you can control is your attitude and your outlook. So it can be a really bad day, or you can choose to have a really good day. Um, I I don't know if you knew this, but I had to postpone my wedding because oh, everything so going sorry. on. Yeah, yeah. So it was supposed to be Father's Day of this year on June twenty first, but um. We had to make a tough decision to postpone it and I could seriously let that ruin every single day and I could be depressed, I could be laying in bed, but I've really, really had to try to wake up, do my normal routine of like working out, eating well, going on walks, being productive because... I am my own boss. So I could easily and and like you, you're your own boss, too. I could easily slack off. I don't have anyone telling me what to do. I could dive into a deep depression about that. But but I agree with you. It's it's about finding the positives in every day. So I want to ask you, how is your routine right now different than normal? What what's your average day looking like?
1: Yeah. So I think prior to all of this, I would wake up you know, with an alarm and take the dog out real quick, do my morning routine get ready. I would rush to the subway, take the subway downtown, do a workout class, go to a coffee shop, get some work done, run to a meeting, meet a friend here, and, like, get home in time to make dinner. And it was just, like, all of the things that I loved and I thrived on and I enjoyed, but it was very busy. Like, I was always out and about all over town, riding the subway multiple times a day, going uptown, downtown, wherever. And now it's, like... I naturally just wake up at like eight o'clock and I take Charlie for a walk and I do my morning routine and I don't really focus on work until 10 or 11 because I just get slowness like in the morning. So I've been doing that. And then I do work from like 11 to four or five. And then if I have a client in the afternoon, um, you know, I'll take more of a break in the afternoon because I'll have a client later. But other than that, it's just kind of like work and walks and then make dinner. And Clark and I have been like, Clark's my husband. We've been just like watching shows at night or different documentaries or whatever. And it's just been like really calm and there's not really much that there's distress about, which is kind of nice.
0: Yeah, your routine sounds a lot similar to mine. I need that time in the morning to kind of take it slow, do something for myself, whether it's go on a walk, do a little workout, have my smoothie, and then like slowly get into my day. And I feel like you could potentially beat yourself up over that and not like waking up at six and, and doing your normal routine. But I think it is important to show ourselves a little more self love right now.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree. And it's funny, I Kind of came about this revelation the past like week or two. I've been having obviously slower mornings, and I was thinking about prior to this what my mornings looked like. And I always felt like when I woke up, I was already behind. Like, oh my gosh, I need to check social media. I need to post something. I have to figure out content for today. I should have wrote that person back or like whatever it is. And now, like, I don't feel that pressure. But it's also like going forward, that pressure was all something that I created. So I don't need to bring that with me forward when things go back to normal either. So it's just kind of like understanding, you know, when stuff goes back to normal, what my routine is going to look like and how it evolved. And I think like a lot of positives have come out of this too.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's something really important to shed light on. I want to take it back to the beginning and rewind a little and start with, Your childhood, how you grew up, where you grew up, what your family was like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from Michigan. Um, I grew up – it's like a smaller town called Livonia right outside of uh, Metro Detroit. Did you know I'm from Farmington? I feel like maybe I did. But did you go to – like where did you go to high school in Farmington?
0: I went to Frankel Jewish Academy.
1: Okay. That's so funny. So then when did you move out of Michigan?
0: I moved out of Michigan – three years ago I went to Michigan State University I moved here with Ari my fiance yeah I I think it's almost three years ago now and he's 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 motioning two to me I guess it was two years but (laughs) we were long story short we were long distance for five years and he was in New York I was in Michigan and we moved to Boca together and now we have a place here together so I grew up in Farmington uh, yeah.
1: Oh, my God. So you grew up for – and you went to Michigan State. So which year which year did you graduate from Michigan State?
0: I graduated – oh, my God. 2018?
1: 17? Okay. Yeah. So you're – okay. So I graduated years ago. <laughs> but I went to Michigan State too. Oh, that's so, so funny.
0: I, small world. Yeah.
1: Such a small world. So I went to Ladywood, which was like an all-girls Catholic high school that is now closed, which – not surprised there. I
0: feel like we played volleyball against Ladywood.
1: Probably. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's really funny.
1: That is. I know. Such a small world. Yeah. So then I grew up there, went to um, college at Michigan State. And then I had always wanted to move to New York like in my bones. And it's so funny because growing up, it's not like we took a lot of vacations to the city. Like my parents don't even really love the city that much. So – I don't know why I had such like a urge to have to move here, but I, it was just like something that I loved so much. So after college, I was like, I want to move to New York, but all of like out of college jobs were paying peanuts compared to like the living expenses that you have in New York. And my parents were like, if you want to move there, go ahead. But like, we're not helping you because they really like weren't so excited about the whole idea. So I got a job in Michigan at this like automotive company that was just so not in alignment with like me or anything I'm interested in but it was just like okay I'm gonna get a job I'm gonna get experience and I'm gonna save as much as I can until I have enough money to you know get a job in New York and move there so that's what I did I was in Michigan for three years I saved a lot of money and I got a job and I was just like ecstatic and So I was like, okay, I'm moving. Let's do this. So I moved out to New York, and I lived with my friend um, at her parents' place just while we apartment-hunted together, and we found an apartment, and literally two weeks after moving there and getting this apartment, I got fired from my job, (laughs) and here I am, like, unemployed in the city. I just signed this lease on this apartment that was, you know, not cheap, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So long story short, it all worked out because that job like wasn't for me to begin with. Like that was another just like career move that wasn't right, but it got me to the city. And that's kind of how I started or how I originally moved here and just fell in love with it all. So what
0: was your next move?
1: So I lived in New York for about a year and a half and I started getting sick. I was not feeling well and I wasn't really sure like what was going on. So at this time, I had gotten a job at Barney's in HR. So I had always worked in HR, but I was like, oh, this is an industry that like I'm more interested in. So maybe this is a better fit, but it wasn't a better fit. It was just like the people that I was working with were just like not similar to like my morals and like how I operate. It was just like not a good fit at all. And then I started having health issues and I wasn't sure if it was anxiety, overwhelm, um, you know, all of those things that you think, but at the end of the day, it was obviously something major that I just didn't know. So I was going to doctors upon doctors and I kept telling them about my symptoms, which were, you know, headache, very, very fatigue, numbness in my body, a lot of like neurological symptoms. Um, And they all basically were like, we did blood work and everything's fine. So it was really frustrating because I wasn't getting any answers, but I wasn't feeling good. And it got to a point where I had to leave work because I just couldn't work anymore. Like I just, I couldn't concentrate. I was so tired. I could barely get out of bed to make it to the office. So I went on leave from work. And after a year of appointments and tests and scans and this and that, it was finally discovered that I had a malformation of blood vessels in my brain that had slowly been bleeding on and off. So when it would bleed, I would get like major symptoms, like major fatigue, headaches, numbness, and then the bleed would stop and I would start to like kind of feel better and then it would bleed again. So that's kind of why my symptoms and everything was kind of up and down for a while. But then ultimately, a month after they discovered that, it hemorrhaged really large and I had emergency brain surgery.
0: So I want to go back to the time you found out that this was going on. What was that? I can't imagine a doctor telling me that I had a problem going on in my brain that was causing a bleed. What was your reaction?
1: Yeah, so it was strange. So it was a year of looking for answers that I just wasn't. Getting Um, so emotionally, physically, mentally, everything. I was just so exhausted. And so when I got the call, I was in Michigan visiting my family over the summer, and I got the call from my doctor that they did the scan, and this is what they discovered. And I was like, I was panicked. Of course, I'm like, What do you mean? Like, what is a cavernoma? I've never heard of that. Is this serious? And this doctor was basically like make an appointment with this surgeon. He gave me his name and he's like, he'll explain everything. But I'm like, okay, I'm in Michigan. I'm not going to get to New York for a while. I'll go anytime, but I'm I'm not going to be there for a couple of days. Um, Who knows when I can get into this specialist? Is this an emergency? I had so many questions that like no one was like answering for me. So that made me feel even more anxious. But thankfully, like I was home with my parents. I was home with Clark at the, like we were dating at the time and he was home with me. And my mom just kept telling me like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. There's nothing you can do right now. You know, like we'll figure this out. So it was nice to like have her support, but I was definitely like, what, what is this? But at the same time, I was so happy, which is weird to say, but happy that they finally figured out what was causing all of this and that like it wasn't emotional. I wasn't anxious. Like there was actually a situation going on that was super serious. So it was like two different kinds of emotions. But ultimately I was like just so glad that they had figured it out and like we could figure out how we're gonna overcome this.
0: Yeah. So I'm sure I mean I I can understand, but I can't put myself in your shoes. But I I can imagine that it's validating for someone to let you know like you were right you weren't just making it up because I'm sure a lot of people were like you know your blood work is coming back normal and and you probably just felt ignored oh yeah totally and and that can be super super frustrating but I understand at the same time that's very scary so what can you explain the gap between you finding this out and then having to go in for emergency brain surgery
1: it was very much like you said like validating to hear that there was something wrong because for a while all of my friends were like why doesn't she want to go out why doesn't she want to do these things she looks fine there's nothing wrong she's crazy and I'm not saying that they didn't like support me but I I think that they were just kind of like what's going on and same thing with my work like there was a lot of judgment so it was extremely validating but basically when I met with the surgeon. He said, like, this is very rare, and it's even more rare that it will hemorrhage, so we're just going to, like, keep an eye on it, and if it grows or if you have any other, like, symptoms, come back, and we'll we'll talk about possible surgery, but he's like, I don't want to remove it right now because brain surgery is, like, kind of, like, a last resort, and he told me that it was a 1% to 4% chance that it would hemorrhage. So he was like kind of confident in the fact that like this is going to clear up on its own, like, you know, this stuff happens, but eventually it'll just kind of like you'll grow out of it in a sense, you know. And when I left that appointment, I, I didn't feel confident in that at all. I felt confident in the doctor, but I just knew I was like, this thing is, needs to get out of my head and I'm not living with this. You know, but I wasn't about to tell him, like, I want you to do brain surgery on me if he's telling me it's not necessary. So I kind of had this moment of like, okay, I have a decision to make. Am I going to sit here and be poor me? I you, I was right. Like, there's something wrong with me. There's all these problems, you know, or am I going to say this is what's going on? I'm going to live my life and be positive and just – try to make the best of every day and just hope and pray that this clears up on its own. So I kind of did the latter and I went back to work and I tried so, so hard to just like go back into my normal routine and you know, do all of these things every day to make me feel good. And at the end of the day, I was just like going against the brick wall. Like it needed to be fixed. And no matter what I did, it was like my body was like slowly shutting down So to make a really long, long story shorter, (laughs) I got a headache one day. Like I was at work. I was looking at the computer screen and I just got this major headache. And I was like, okay, I think, you know, I shouldn't be working. Like clearly my body just can't handle coming back to work, you know, whatever. So the next day I went to my boss's office. I was like, I quit. Like I can't do this anymore. I don't know what's going on with my health. I was just like at my wits end. And I was like, I I have to be done with this. I'm not giving you two weeks. I'm out of here. Like, (laughs) bye, basically. And I had the headache got worse. So I went to the ER and they basically said that I had a migraine and they sent me home. But I had told them and they had my records that I had this cavernoma, but they did not want anything to do with me. They were just like, you're fine. You have a headache. Like, we'll give you an IV. See ya. So then after fighting with my doctor to get a scan, finally, like a week later, I got a scan and they're like, oh my God, it's hemorrhage. You need to make emergency brain surgery. And the next day I had surgery. So it was like a long time of people not like believing me that I even had something wrong. And then once I had something wrong, people weren't even believing me that like it hemorrhaged and I needed surgery. <laughs> it was just crazy.
0: And what was that fear like for both you Clark, your family, before you go into surgery, given given such short notice?
1: I was so ready for surgery. Like, it sounds so weird, but there was no way I could live my life the way I currently was, and that was the only option. So I was just like, let's do it. I, like, I prayed that everything would go right. I just knew in my heart that, like, it was the right thing to do and I would be fine. You know, my parents and Clark were obviously very nervous and, and scared about it, but I I think they both had similar ideas of like, this is what has to be done. And, and this is, you know, going to fix her and make her feel better. And so they were definitely hopeful and super supportive. But yeah, like the anxiety didn't hit me until a couple of weeks after surgery, honestly. So I
0: want to talk about the healing process, because I think that's a big part of your story and and an explanation for how you got to this place and why you're a health coach now and why you help other people. So can you talk about the healing process, how long it took and everything to do with that?
1: Prior to brain surgery, I didn't really connect any like physical, emotional, mental, like it was all very separate for me. I didn't like connect the dots that it's all whole. So after I had gone through brain surgery, my parents and Clark, like everyone was just so happy that I made it through surgery. And the doctor said everything, you know, went well and all these things. So I was like, on the road to recovery. But the doctor and nurses and whoever didn't really explain to me, like, how much my life is going to change, because I went what I went through and kind of like what my life is going to look like for the next three, six, nine months to a year because it was a very long recovery that kind of no one really warned me about. So I went home, um, I think it was like five, five or six days after I had surgery and I was like out of it. Like my mom had to bathe me. I was sleeping like 20 hours a day. I was just literally sleeping, eating, sleeping, eating. I didn't have much energy for anything. And then about two or three weeks after surgery, I started taking walks. I was super dizzy, but I would hold my mom's hand and we would go down the street and back and then that was enough. So it took me a really long time to get my strength back. but during those like two or three weeks, I kind of came to the realization of like, oh my God, like my life is not going to be the same. I'm not gonna be able to do all the things that I loved to do before. I'm not gonna be able to go back to work for a really long time. Like, it kind of just like struck me like, holy crap, what's what what is my life gonna look like? This sucks. So that's kind of like where I had this breaking point and almost where like all this anxiety started to set in, which before it wasn't there because I was like, I'm gonna be fixed. This is great, like this is what I needed. And now I'm like, the life that I knew is no more. So it was like I was mourning this kind of like loss of this life. But now looking back, like my quality of life the year prior was just such crap. So it's like I have to just take some time to like reboot. I ended up moving back to Michigan because I just I couldn't work and I didn't really have support in New York of any family or anything. So Clark and I moved back to Michigan to be with my parents and they really helped take care of me while I was recovering But I noticed a huge gap in kind of like going through a health trauma physically and then the emotional impact that comes with it and the lack of resources available to people. So I didn't know what to do. Like, what should I be eating? What should I be doing for exercise? What should I be doing cognitively? You know, like these are all things that I needed to know that no one could tell me. So I started working with a health coach, and she really just opened my eyes up to all sorts of different things, like mostly like alternative healing remedies, a lot of like bodywork stuff, a lot of energy healing, homeopathic medicine, um, like essential oils, meditating, like all of these things that I had no idea about, and it was really, really, really helpful. So that's what encouraged me to be like, okay, I need to go back to school and need to become a health coach and I need to be here for people who have gone through traumas that are having a really difficult time and just don't have anyone to turn to.
0: So when you start seeing this health coach, what are the things that she's having you eat, for example, that was different compared to how you were living your life before?
1: She actually was like, I met her through my sister-in-law. She lived in the same neighborhood as my sister-in-law and we just became friends. And she, I wasn't even necessarily her client. We were just friends and she was a health coach. So she was like telling me all this stuff. So she didn't have like a specific program she used with me or anything. It was just more conversation, but it was more of like, and I don't want to sound restrictive, but it was more of like taking out junk and adding in just more fruits and vegetables. Like for example, Instead of eating cereal in the morning, which I love a good healthy cereal, but after you go through brain surgery, like your body needs the most amount of no- nutrients ever, right? So starting to drink more green juices, starting to do more fruits and vegetables, like in a smoothie, not eating as much meat and dairy, you know, replacing that with more fruits and vegetables, and just kind of like taking. An inventory on what I was currently eating and making—not necessarily so much taking stuff out, but just making sure that I'm eating enough nutrient-dense foods to help support my body in its healing process.
0: Yeah, definitely, that's super important. I used to suffer from chronic chest pain, and when I was in high school, I would get this awful, awful chest pain. It was like a burning in my breastbone, like in my sternum, mm-hmm. and whenever I'd inhale, I'd have this chest pain, but back then, I was eating a lot of dairy, a lot of like, just junk. And it got worse in college, because obviously, like, I mean, if you went to Michigan State, you know, they have like pretty good dining halls. And yeah, yeah, it's easy to go overboard. But it wasn't until I went plant based that my chest pain went away. But I I didn't realize it was because I had so much inflammation and and diet really is so powerful. So I, I love to hear that you had this person who was encouraging you to eat healthy foods. And and it is just simple as fruits and vegetables. And it's definitely not restrictive to be, you know, removing junk, but replacing it with better things for you.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, I just never thought about what I was putting in my body before, you know, like, I knew what was considered healthy, and what was considered unhealthy, but I really didn't know how it was working in my body, like for me or against me. So just adding, like, just making small changes made a huge difference, honestly.
0: That's amazing. So you're in the process of healing yourself. You're eating better. You're doing things to heal yourself, both in mind and body. At what point did you decide to start Institute for Integrative Nutrition?
1: So it was about nine months after surgery. And I had gone through, you know, all this healing. I was feeling a lot better. Like I could go through the day without having to take a nap. And I'm just like, wow, I'm back. Like I really miss my normal, you know, quote unquote, normal routine. So I was like, I'm just going to go back to work. I'm going to go back to work and be normal again. And Clark at the time we were dating, he's like, are you you sure about that? (laughs) Like he wanted me to do something to make me feel good and like work wise, but He was also very nervous of like me going back to a full-time job that I didn't like and kind of like the cycle repeating itself and, you know, some sense. Um, But I was just like, I just want to be like everyone else. I want to go to a workout in the morning. I want to go to work. I want to come home. I want to make dinner. I want to walk the dog. Like I just want to be normal. I've been sitting on the couch for the past nine months, you know? So I interview for this job in downtown Detroit at this like media company. I get it and I start work and I go back to work and within the first day I sat at my desk and I was like, what am I doing? Like I just had a chance to completely do whatever I wanted to do. And I just went back into the same hole that I was like so depressed about. And I just, I didn't, at the time I like the awareness wasn't there. Like I was moving towards, you know, doing like, I was in therapy and I was doing a lot of different, you know, mental and um, spiritual work, but I wasn't at any level that I'm at now. So at the time I was just like, okay, like I just want to feel normal. And that's how I felt normal was going back to work. But it was really just the comfort of what I had known. So I stayed in that job for a year. Wow. It was miserable. And looking back, I can't believe I did that to myself. And multiple times Clark was like, quit, find something else, do something else. But I was just too scared. I'm like, this is my comfort. Like, this is what I know. I'm good here. I'm gonna keep complaining. It's gonna be the same thing every day. Like, this is good. It was not good at all, <laughs> obviously. But in a year later, in May of two thousand seventeen, um, I my job was eliminated because my company merged with another company and the position was just eliminated. And that was the opportunity where it was like, okay, the universe like cut me a break and I'm not going to let this opportunity go. And that's when I decided to enroll in IIN.
0: So you enroll in IIN and by the way, I did IIN too awesome. to become a health coach. Yeah. So when you first started, did you know that you wanted to help similar people like you?
1: Yes, that was like the whole thing. So the whole idea was I would go back to school, like to to go to IIN, and then I would help people who have gone through health traumas kind of like get back on their feet and just like kind of advocate for them and help them find different kind of therapies and, you know, just help them along the way and be support. When I graduated and as I tried to get into that, I noticed that work was really heavy. And it definitely – my career has evolved you know, since then. But that was the main drive of, you know, going back to school. And, and that's what I wanted to do to begin with.
0: And just on the side note, because we'll get more into it soon. But when did you start your Instagram account, the healthy bee?
1: I started that in October of 2017.
0: Okay, that was like a that was like still a sweet spot to get into Instagram, because obviously, now it's so much harder to get organic reach and to and to get more followers. But um. Okay.
1: I'm still trying to figure it out. Oh,
0: every day. <laughs> every day it changes on us. Um, I know. So you start your Instagram in 2017. And w- what year mm-hmm. did you start IIN? May
1: of 2017. So I started my Instagram a couple months into the program.
0: Okay. That was smart to start. What was like the goal of your Instagram at in the beginning?
1: I had no clue. I just wanted it to be like a healthy and wellness account. So I just started posting a lot of food and just like recipes. And it was basically like my life in food, like all the like the healthy stuff I was eating, and then, you know, healthy things that I was doing too. But it started off as like food. And then over the years, it's definitely more towards like lifestyle and mindfulness. But I still love to post, you know, food and recipes too.
0: So you graduate from I.N. and you start getting clients. And obviously now you have programs, more than one program, and I feel like you have a bunch of things going on. Can you explain what you offer and what kind of people you help? And and if they do sign up for your program, what they can expect?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So at first, I just started working with any client that wanted to work together to kind of overcome you know, like something that they've gone through in their life, whether it's health related or, you know, mentally like a trauma, any kind of trauma or something that they're trying to get past. And then I decided to develop a program. It's called the Be Healed program, which specifically works on overcoming trauma from like a health situation. And I did that for about a year. And then the program has kind of evolved into more of a group program that I'm doing with my friend now called Reframe and Reclaim, which is like reframing your mindset, to reclaim your power. And it's kind of all about like removing blockages, um, releasing fears, understanding your conditioned behaviors and how to change them. And then also how that has to do with kind of like how you live your life and the decisions that you make. And, you know, when we aren't living in fear and we aren't living by conditioned behavior, like what would we actually do? What would we accomplish? How much more of a free thinker would we be? So it's really about just kind of like breaking free of all of those like blockages and heaviness and being able to like live in your true alignment, what makes you happy and, you know, to go after whatever it is that you want to go after and whatever it is that you want to do. Because relating back to my story, like I was just scared to leave a corporate job. I didn't believe in myself. I gave myself all of these excuses on why it wouldn't work. And I've been doing this now for three years and it's working just fine. So it's just like breaking down that wall and understanding why you have these beliefs that you have and healing them and moving forward.
0: That's amazing. I think that's so important because oftentimes, you know, maybe a dietitian or someone like that, a nutritionist, they're really focusing on the food. But there's so much to working on healing yourself emotionally and mentally because oftentimes those traumas, those really tough things that you've dealt with and maybe put aside and, and haven't dealt with properly, that can manifest in all the other issues like Maybe an eating disorder, maybe for someone else it's stress eating, emotional eating, maybe they're entered into a bad relationship. So I think definitely working on your mental health and healing that, it changes everything.
1: No, yeah, I, I can't agree more. And I think that's what I've kind of discovered just through my own journey that, you know, before it was, you know, let's eat healthy, but like what's driving the behavior to not eat healthy? What's driving the behavior to like binge eat? What's driving the behavior to restrict? And I think women, especially, and I, that's what I, you know, have worked with the most. But they have a very, you know, interesting relationship with food at times, and it has nothing to do with the food. It always has to do with a lot of times, like you know, past traumas or past situations or an upbringing or a current situation it has a lot to do with control. You know, being able to control what they can't in their life, so they can in food. So really, not focusing much on the food, but really just focusing on like the mental health aspect of it helping people just like get to a better place. And I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor, but I help my clients, you know, achieve mental health in a different way. So I encourage them to work with a therapist, I encourage them to, you know, see appropriate doctors, you know, I'm kind of like their health advocate and their support through their journey.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important that you mentioned that because I think as a health coach, you often take on your client's problems as your own. It can be hard to kind of draw that boundary and being comfortable and confident to be like, hey, you you know, if they're if they're mentioning something that's beyond your scope of practice to be like, look, like I really encourage you. Like, it's great that you're seeing me. I'm here to guide you and motivate you and support you. But it's also really important to see people if you're having deeper problems, see a therapist, see a doctor, see whoever else you need, because it is important that you mention that.
1: Yeah, 100%. Because I think those people are very specialized in what they do. And that's great. But I'm kind of like the contact point of like, okay, let's keep it all together. Like, let's figure out what else we could do, like other avenues you can look at, and just kind of like whole body what's going on. But yeah, I mean, I think it's really I've been seeing a therapist since I was like 16 on and off. And I think that's something that everyone should do and I don't think a health coach replaces that and a health coach doesn't replace a dietitian or a doctor, you know, they're just kind of like the support to help you through your journey because a lot of times when you're seeing all different people, it's really overwhelming. So how are we dealing with these emotions? What behaviors are we doing? Like, What techniques can we do to, you know, lower stress or to, you know, just take care of your mental health and make sure that through this whole process you're feeling good.
0: Definitely. And on a side note, I wanted to bring this up because I find it super interesting. You're certified in Reiki, correct? Yes. Can you explain for someone who doesn't know what Reiki is? I mean, for me, I I know it's like healing body work, but Mm -hmm. I don't really know the details of it. So can you explain?
1: Yeah. So Reiki is an energy medicine. And basically, um, in the form of Reiki, it's it's kind of, it's woo-woo, of course, but it does work because I've been using it. Well, I've been doing it for a couple of months, but I've had Reiki done to me for the past four years, and I think it was like the number one thing that helped me heal. So when our body is injured, either emotionally or physically, there's a blockage, and when there's a blockage in our body, energy isn't flowing, and wherever energy isn't flowing, it's not able to heal. So... What Reiki does is it opens up your energy pathways to allow energy to flow freely throughout your body. So everything's communicating with each other, everything's flowing, there's no blockages, there's no this, there's no that. And it really like maintains the yin and yang, the balance in the body, which is what, like, is, you know, in ancient Chinese medicine, that's like what health is. So Reiki is a form of healing that once you go through the training, you kind of like receive Reiki from the master. And I received the Reiki, and now I'm able to give it to others through energy medicine. So, like when I do it, I kind of channel the Reiki in, my hands get like really hot, and I can feel the energy of my clients like moving. So, where I don't feel it, there's definitely a blockage. So, then I try to move the energy into that area in order to open it up to allow it to free and like freely flow throughout their body.
0: I love that's so cool. And if I'm ever in New York, I'm coming over and you're giving me a Reiki session.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's super cool. That's the this new course that I'm doing with my friend, Nicole, she's a Reiki master. um, And she's who taught me Reiki. So in the course that we're doing together, that's what's included, like we'll do distant Reiki to people. um, Every class session, there'll be like 20-30 minutes of Reiki healing, because it's just it's so so healing. And I think that it's been like almost the number one thing that's helped heal my body through all of this.
0: That's super interesting. And now, I don't know if this is a silly question, but can you do Reiki to yourself or do you need to receive it from someone else?
1: Once you are certified, you can give it to yourself.
0: Okay, got it, so interesting. And are you into crystals? Like I feel like those two things kind of go hand in hand.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, I'm definitely into crystals. I'm still learning a lot about them to be honest. But I have like, I don't know, 10 or 12 that I use and I rotate. Different crystals offer different properties, as I'm sure you've read. And they're definitely calming. And I use them a lot in my meditations. I use them when I do Reiki with people. There's certain ones that protect you against like EMFs. So I have them all around my house, you know, <laughs> to protect us against Wi-Fi and all the craziness of that. But I think like anything, it's, it's going to give you the benefits as much as you believe in it so you have to play around and see kind of like what you know you connect with but so far I I think they're really powerful and awesome that's
0: so cool I I feel like the closest thing I have to a crystal I have like a rose quartz jade roller yeah that I use so Mm -hmm. maybe that counts but let's say someone wants to get into crystals are there like three that you would recommend and like what are the benefits of them
1: yeah so I I mean rose quartz is great it's it's beautiful and it's really good for like grounding um just clear quartz is really great for manifestation and grounding and then I use sugnite which is this like black crystal which is like the emf protector and I like take that with me everywhere I just think that all of like the pollution with just having Wi-Fi and more electronics, and we're constantly on our devices. I think it really does have an impact on our health. So protecting us against that is something that I'm passionate about. Um, so that crystal is always with me.
0: <laughs> I love that, and and yeah, we're definitely. On our screens a lot. And I feel like since we've been quarantined at home, unfortunately, I feel like I'm on my phone even more than I was before. And I'll, I'll like get that notification that tells me how long, how much screen time I have. And I'm like, oh, like, don't tell me I've been on my phone for seven hours today. I know. It's like, I'm like ashamed. And obviously you are too, but I'm on my phone for business. I'm posting on Instagram, posting on Facebook, Pinterest, TikTok now. I'm like on the TikTok bandwagon, adding one more thing in and I just have to remind myself like I'm doing this as a part of my business, mm-hmm. but it turns into being all day. So, yeah. Might have to get myself one of those crystals. But but yeah, I'm sure you can relate to to being on your phone a lot.
1: Yeah, and definitely definitely more since being in quarantine cuz we're just not I'm not outside of the house as much. So, when I'm home, I'm checking my email, I'm scrolling more, I'm watching more videos, you know, like, reading more news. It's just kind of like what's happening right now. But I'm trying to put kind of like a limit. I, I set that thing. I don't know, like on the iPhone, you can set a time limit. So it says like, you've reached your time limit for the day on Instagram. So I'm trying to honor that when when I get that notification. I'm like, okay, enough today.
0: <laughs> is it What is it just like an app that you
1: Download? it's right in um right in the iPhone and like the systems you can just like log in or go through like settings and I think it says like screen time or something and then you're able to like use some of the apps you can set like a time period for
0: okay that that's a good one because I think it's important to set boundaries but um mm-hmm. for someone who is on instagram you have now I mean you started your account in 2017. And you now have all these followers. You have, I feel like, such an engaged audience. And you're always posting really quality, authentic content. Can you, speak, you. can you speak to someone who maybe wants to start an Instagram now in 2020, but they don't really know where to begin?
1: Yeah. So for me, I think I've tried a lot of different things throughout the year or throughout the years. And ultimately, putting out there like your true message is what's going to be like the best. So not looking at what other people are doing, like really understand your vision and why you're sharing. And then to continue to share from that space of like why and, and the content that you want out there. And then I think community is huge too. Like I have met so many amazing people on the app and a lot of them have become like my really good friends. So it's really great to, you know, not just be looking for followers, but actually be looking for people who you're interested in their content too and to connect with them and maybe like collaborate with them or, you know, whatever the case is. But it's really about community and like creating an authentic following. Um, and that happens from just being authentic yourself and sharing, you know, what is in alignment with you and, and why you created the account to begin with.
0: Definitely. And I think people for sure, pick up on if you're not being authentic. And especially as you're growing your account, people get to know you over a certain period of time. So if you all of a sudden post something that's not true to you, because maybe you saw someone else doing it, maybe there's something trending that you want to try, your audience can definitely pick up on that. And I think you do a good job of like constantly staying true to you and your brand and who you are.
1: Yeah. And it's definitely hard because bigger name brands have more budget to like pay for something like I got a email it was like really good money for this body lotion that is just not in an alignment like it's not what I would use and I had to pass it up and if I were to post that I wouldn't feel good about it and my followers would be like she doesn't use this she's just doing it for the money you know and that doesn't feel good so It's just important to like stay in your lane and the right opportunities will come to you and just to, you know, continue to come from the right place of like why you created this for the community to share, to, you know, connect with others, like whatever the why is, just keep going back to that. And if you're looking for success within the app, like it will come organically and authentically as long as you're organic and authentic.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. And this is something we actually DM'd about a little while ago and something I talked about with a few of the other influencers that I've had on the podcast. But I want to talk about standing up for yourself and being an advocate for yourself as an influencer, as someone in the social media content creation space when it comes to working with brands and specifically like setting your rates and just speaking up for yourself in that way as as a businesswoman.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely something that's involved over time with me and I would look at my number and be like, "Okay, I only have 7,000 followers, so I could just do this for, you know, this much money." And I was just totally like putting down my worth. Like that's 7,000 followers. That's a lot of people that are going to see a message and no one deserves free work, you know. So It's taken me a while to kind of like grow a spine with that and to understand like what's – not like what's appropriate but like just understanding my worth in this industry because it's so new and I feel like a lot of people don't talk about it a lot and thankfully I'm really good friends with Sari and she kills it and she knows her stuff and I always am like calling her. I'm like help me with this, help me with that. But that's the thing like helping each other in the community with that is like so important like these shouldn't be – things that we can't talk about. These shouldn't be things that aren't out in the public. Like it's very apparent when people are putting out, you know, ads and it's very, you know, and that that it shouldn't be a secret, right? And I think it's really important for people to collaborate together and to have these discussions because it's not competitive. We should all be rooting for each other. But as far as like understanding your worth, it's like, I don't work for free. And I think this got like a little gray when I was starting my account because I was like, oh, I'll just do X, Y, and Z because I'm just starting out. But I was putting so much time and like, you know, thought into things like projects that were taking me hours that I was not getting paid correctly for. And finally, I was just like, this is crazy. Like, no one works for free. And I think I use that example. Like, you don't go to McDonald's and work an eight hour shift and they pay you in Happy Meals. Like, no, they give you a paycheck because you like that's how you pay people. You don't pay them with a $10 free product. So, that's definitely been something especially actually during quarantine that I've noticed, you know, brands are probably dialing back in certain ways and and I feel bad for, you know, small businesses that are getting hit by this, but I'm also a small business and I don't I don't work for free. And that's just how it's going to be, you know, and I, and I think it's important to set that boundary and to understand that, like, you're very worthy of getting paid for your work and your content matters and your services matter. And, you know, you should be compensated for that.
0: Definitely. And it's so funny that you mentioned the McDonald's analogy, because everyone that I've talked to about this in some way, they've brought up the same example, like whether you go to to a doctor, whether you go to a lawyer. No one's giving you a free trial. No. Like, can you imagine asking a doctor or lawyer be like, hey, like, can I can I come like the the first appointment is free? Like, we'll see how it goes. Like, no, you wouldn't. They would never do that. They would never agree to that because they value the services that they're providing. And I I want to talk about this with more than one guest just because it is so important. And now that the content creation space is just becoming larger and larger. There are so many people becoming their own boss, creating social media accounts and Inevitably mm-hmm. working with brands, I think it's important that we create this voice for influencers, but also educate the brands and let them know that, you know, it's not okay to offer a bag of chips in exchange for a post. And yeah. that's okay. Like it's an, as you said, this is so new that they really mm-hmm. don't understand the etiquette behind paying influencers, paying content creators for their time. And whether you have 2000 followers or 100,000 followers, there's work going in at the back end, no matter Mm -hmm. what you're doing.
1: No, 100%. And I actually had someone reach out to me on the other end. And she said, Hey, I work for a brand. Like we're small, we don't really have budget, but we want to get our product out there. Like, what do you suggest? And I told her, I was like, Hey, I totally get it. Like you're starting off, you want people to experience your product. Like, I have no problem if a, if a company reaches out and they're like, hey, we just created X, Y, and Z. We would love to share it with you. Like, if you love it, you know, we would love a shout out. But there's no expectation, right? If there's a brand that sends me an email and was like, hey, we'd love to work together with you. And they tell me all of these deliverables. You know, we want three posts and we want this and we want that. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, what's your budget? And they're like, we don't have budget you can't expect me to do all of those things and you're not paying. Like that's crazy. But if you simply just want me to try out your product and if I like it, share it, of course I'm going to organically share it if it's something that I love and I want my audience to know about, you know, but it's a different, a different approach if you literally are, you know, messaging or emailing someone saying like, you have to post this and do this and do that. And like you said, here's a free bag of chips. Like, no, no,
0: Yeah, and it's something that I honestly have had to work on because as you said in the beginning, if you have less followers, like you don't necessarily view yourself as being worthy of being paid, which is really Mm -hmm. troublesome, but it took me a while to kind of stand up for myself because I had to ask, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I just don't end up working with them. Yeah. I had a hard time at first saying no, because brands would say, hey, like, we'd love to collab, Um, you know, we'd love to send you 10 boxes of pasta, and and then you'll do a post for us. And of course, at first, it's so exciting to get, like, offers for free snacks. I mean, that's super Mm -hmm. fun. And I also, I kind of had this thought where I wanted to cultivate a good relationship and, like build relationships with companies. And I thought that to do that, I would have to do them a favor, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah, so it took me a while. But, but yeah, no, I, I'm just excited that we're shedding light on this. Um, I kind of want to circle back and ask you one more question just like about your lifestyle. What are mm-hmm. you doing now, now that you're a health coach, you're doing well, you're healthy, you're thriving? What's like your health routine, your wellness routine? your breakfast, lunch and dinner, things in between, what do you need to do today to keep yourself in a healthy place?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, balance is like really important to me. And that looks different on everyone. So what I'm doing, obviously, is not necessarily balance for someone else. But for me, it's, you know, every morning, I, I have to meditate and meditate doesn't mean that I sit in my bed for 20 minutes, because I used to do that. And it's almost like it it gave me like stress and it feels good when I do that once in a while, but that's not the expectation every day. Like for me, it's just sometimes closing my eyes for five minutes and doing some deep breathing. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. Sometimes it's three minutes, you know, it's, it's different every day, but just like committing to some sort of meditation in the morning. And I always have warm water with lemon and I jade roll my face and I make a juice. And that's like. It sets the tone for the day and I love that and that's like my morning routine. But if for some reason I can't do that, I've created this mental space of like if it doesn't happen today or if the situation changes, like whatever, it's I'm going to be okay. Like, if that routine isn't there, I will be okay. I'm not going to spiral out of control because I didn't have my routine this morning. So, I think for me, like, wellness has evolved so much of like, I have things that I love, but if they're not available, if they're not there that day, it's not going to trigger me to like spiral out of control. So, I enjoy all those things. I love making, you know, lunches and dinners at home now because (laughs) there's nothing else to do. So, I love making healthy meals baked goods i get a lot of my recipes from sari and then my evening routine is like my jam so i love taking an epstein salt bath with like some essential oils i have this cbd body lotion that like i rub all over my body i take cbd like you know in a tincture and i like making like a hot tea having like a little dessert watching a show that's like my nighttime routine that i just feel good doing and then movement like every day, whether it's a walk or an intense workout, like every day is different. But somehow moving my body in a way that feels good for me that day is super important for me. And then making sure that I'm staying hydrated. And it's like such an easy thing. But if I'm not hydrated, like I do not feel good. I'm like so tired. I'm loopy. It's like such an easy thing that I think we all forget. But, um, yeah, just like doing things that make me feel good. So just taking some time for, you know, mental, physical, and spiritual, like I kind of do like the four, like mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, like something during the day I need to support, you know, all four of those things. So as long as I hit that, I'm good. If I don't, there's always tomorrow. And I think releasing that expectation like has been huge.
0: I love that. That's so beautiful. And I'm glad that we got a glimpse into your everyday wellness routine. Okay. So to cap off the podcast, I have some questions for you that I ask every single guest. It's just kind of like a fun little way to get to know you better. Um, okay. Ready? Yes. Okay. So the first question is, what would your last meal on earth be?
1: Oh, Okay such a good question it's so funny because like my mom is like you're the boringest eater (laughs) like i don't really have like vices right but i i don't know i don't know what my last meal on earth would be i love um in new york there's this restaurant called the smith and they had the best kale salad with salmon and it's nothing special but i like look forward to it so much so i guess if they were like that's your last meal i'd be so happy (laughs) you're going out healthy (laughs) yeah but like you know I don't eat meat so like some people are like oh I would have a burger I would have this like I don't I don't eat meat so I wouldn't do that and I don't know like I eat sweets all the time so that wouldn't be necessarily like a big deal but I love that salad and it's my favorite thing ever so if it was the last thing that would that would be it (laughs)
0: love it okay one thing in your morning routine that you can't live without
1: um green juice
0: one thing that's quirky about you that people would be surprised to find out?
1: Quirky. I think I am very quirky, but I'm wondering what people would be surprised about. I love like gangster rap music. (laughs) That's so (laughs) funny. (laughs) I don't think people would think that about me.
0: No, not at all. That's really funny. You know that meme that's like, um, it's like this girl in her car and she's like on my way to wherever eating or on my way to get my vegan gluten-free cupcake while listening to like the most gangster rap ever. I feel like that's you.
1: A hundred percent.
0: That's so funny. And if you had to pick one form of exercise to do for the rest of your life, what would it be?
1: Oh my gosh, Pilates, hands down. I feel like we didn't touch on that, but that was a huge part of my healing process. Just like finding movement that was gentle with my body and like Still made me feel just so good. I've been doing Pilates now for like three and a half years, and it's by far my favorite form of movement.
0: And do you do it on the reformer?
1: I typically do. Um, I've been missing the reformer, but I've been doing just like online classes, like Zoom classes, which has been great.
0: Yeah, I love Pilates. It's a great workout. Okay, last but not least, what is your favorite grocery store?
1: In the city, Whole Foods. I mean, that's where I go mostly. I will say a very unpopular opinion. I do not like Trader Joe's. Wow, people. I know, Bethany. I know. <laughs> I have to put it out there. I just, I, I just don't. I don't want to say I hate it because that's not. That's. I don't Can you t- that t- tell us why? It, what, is,
0: what? What about it do you hate or that you don't? You know, love? it's
1: so weird because the the employees are so nice, like the kindest. But I still just like get a weird vibe in there. And everything's, like, really heavily packaged, which I'm not, like, some, you know, sustainability coach over here. But I do think that, like, there's a lot of packaging going on with all of their produce. And they do have a lot of organic options. I will say that. But I feel like it's not that great. Like, within a couple of days, like, I don't know. I just don't like the vibe there. I just don't think it's great. And maybe I'm missing something. But I much prefer to go to Whole Foods um, over Trader Joe's.
0: Yeah, I love Whole Foods. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Whole Foods. And it's funny that you mentioned that you don't like Trader Joe's because when my fiancé lived in New York, he hated Trader Joe's. He didn't get why anyone liked it. Like both him and his mom hated it. Like they hated going there. I'm like, guys, it's the best place ever. And then we moved to Florida and I literally, I stare at Trader Joe's from my balcony and he's obsessed with it now. So I don't know, maybe like the, the New York Trader Joe's vibe isn't good, but, um, I I don't know the one here. It's ha I mean, everything in Florida is happy, but like, I don't know. We have the palm trees at our Trader Joe's and like, they're just like blasting music. And, um, like people obviously have to stand in line right now outside of Trader Joe's yeah. to get in. And one of the employees like plays the guitar and sings to everyone while they're in line. And it's so cute. So maybe you have to visit the Boca Trader Joe's. But I respect that it's not your favorite place. Yeah,
1: No, I know. They're like the sweetest people. And when I lived in Michigan, I went much more often because it was closer to my house than Whole Foods was. But like I just I don't know. They just didn't have things that I needed or something. I don't know.
0: No, but yeah, I'm with you on the packaging. I think they you know, they'll put every single piece of produce in plastic, which yeah. isn't necessary. But but yeah, I mean if you're trying to spend less money, go to Trader Joe's, but Whole Foods is definitely yeah, a there's great definitely place. that for sure. Okay, so the last part of this like get to know you thing is um, called Would You Rather Foodie Edition. Okay. This is just like this or that, like the things you see on Instagram story and it's just rapid fire.
1: Okay, perfect.
0: Okay. Peanut butter or almond butter? Almond butter. Pasta or pizza? Pizza. Cookies or brownies? Cookies. Spinach or kale? Kale. Pancakes or waffles?
1: These are hard. Um, Waffles.
0: Smoothie or juice? Juice. Hot fudge or caramel? Hot fudge. Lemon or lime? Lemon. Hummus or guac? Hummus. Spicy or mild? Spicy. Yeah. Gotta love spicy. That's it. You did it. Oh,
1: perfect. that
0: was, would you <laughs> was rather foodie really edition? <laughs> oh my God. They're so hard. I don't even know. Like I made the game. I like made all those <laughs> up and I ask everyone, but like, I can't even answer. I always want to choose both of them. So that's
1: funny. That's
0: fun. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I say this to like so many of these people I'm interviewing. I mean, we're talking about a topic and many topics that we have so much in common. So I could sit here and I feel like we could talk forever. But I guess we'll just have to have you on the podcast again.
1: Thank you. This was so fun.
0: So fun. Thank you so much for being on. This was so, so, so much fun
1: yeah thank you for having me see ya bye-bye
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode be sure to rate comment and subscribe and we'll see you next time